Okay, Rabbi Say, Baruch Um It's the last Monday before Pesach, so we have something a uh, very interesting topic this morning, and that is the night of the Seder. As uh, we're recounting the events of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, so the uh, Jewish heart is a flame. The Jewish heart is a flame with Amuna in the uh, Gulo Hasida in the Bias Hamashiach, um, and every year. As Rabbi Matasio Salman puts it in his Sefer Matnas Chaim, Chaldar Vadar, in every generation, Every year, from the time we've been exiled and we've been distanced from our land, when we arrive at the Yom Tif of redemption, the time of our freedom, every Jewish heart is filled with the yearning for salvation, for Geula. In other words, every year at the Seder, we begin the Seder, we say, And we sort of think to ourselves, you know, it's wonderful God took us out of Mitzrayim. But you know, we're still in the same old mess. You know, we got ourselves into the mess again. We're still in Golas. And through the night of discussing the events of Yitzhak Mitzrayim and all the miracles of Mitzrayim, we end off the Seder, L'shan HaBab Yerushalayim. And every year we say again and again, Nachamal, Nachamal, L'shan HaBab Yerushalayim, L'shan HaBab Yerushalayim. And as Ramat puts it, really paraphrasing the Navi, Avar Katsir Kala Kayetz V'anachnu Loi Noishanu. The harvest has passed, the summer has passed, and we're still in the dregs, we're still in the gullahs, you know, wonderful, beautiful stay there, but uh, you know, what, what good is it doing us? And every year on Chag Pesach, we, put, we uh, yearn, you know, finally Eliyahu Novi should come and take us out. And the question is, where is he? Why isn't he at the door when I open the door? What's taking so long? What's taking so long? Not right. What's taking so long? So, as the Chafetz Chaim puts it, uh, in the Shemir Salashan, Chavetz Chaim tells us, We're well familiar with the statement of our Chazal, the generation of the second base Hamikdash, they were big Tamil Chachamim, they had Kailalim for young people, for old people, for middle aged people, people knew Taira, Hayyabah, Taira, Mitzvah. So what was the problem? What was the problem? The problem was, they couldn't get along. So the Rishonim tell us that if this Avera of Sinas Sinam was strong enough that it was able to destroy the Beis HaMikdash, so certainly it's strong enough to prevent the Beis HaMikdash from being rebuilt, right? That's a very strong logic. That if Sinas Sinam is strong enough to already destroy a pre-existing Beis HaMikdash, you know, usually there's a concept of status quo. Beis HaMikdash is standing, you know. It's probably a difficult thing for Hashem to go make the decision and say, you know what? Time to destroy the Beis HaMikdash. So if the Avera was strong enough for Hashem to destroy the Beis HaMikdash, all the more so if the Avera is still prevalent, it ain't going to be built. And that's why Chazal say, any generation that the Beis HaMikdash is not built in, we have to consider it as if we destroyed it. Right? If someone were to ask you, who destroyed the Beis HaMikdash, don't blame it on your Elta Zayda. It's your fault. It's my fault. So Chafetz Chaim says like this, very frightening words, right? If we were to ask, how long are we going to be in Gullahs for? So we would say, oh yeah, by the year 6,000 it's going to be over. No. You know how long are we going to be in Gullahs for? 
until we fix the problem, right? How long is the water going to leak out of your pipe? Until you fix it, right? It's not going to get better on its own. How long is the water going to seep into the roof? Until you repair it, right? How long is your car going to be broken for? Until you put in a new engine, right? So, how long are we going to be in Gullahs for? Until we correct the problem. That's what the Chavaz Chaim writes very clearly. V'yim kein. We need to strengthen ourselves to fix the problem. To be careful not to stumble. And then he adds four really frightening words. Really, you know, when you read these words, you chapat sitter. How long are we going to be in Golas for? How long? The answer is until we fix the problem. Then the Chavetz Chaim, you know, describes very vividly. Imagine, Rabbi Isai, if Mashiach walked into the room right now and he said, uh, you know, he said, $100 menorah, $100 menorah, guy goes, $200, another guy, $500, right? They're bidding. They're, they're having, you know, an auction to, to, to build the menorah for the Beis HaMikdash, right? Everybody, I'm sure all the Ashiram would come in, 10000 right? If Maftar Yainer goes for $10,000, I'm sure you'll have a guy will donate $10 million to build a menorah. And then, then okay, $5 million are on, $10 million, right? They have an auction for that right? Some Ereshtemal, they'll auction off. $30 million to have your name on the Beis HaMikdash, right? You know, on the front, as you're walking into the Beis HaMikdash, it will say, you know, the, the Friedman Family Temple, or something like that. Would people pay money for that? Yeah. Says the Chavetz Chaim, don't worry, it's not going to cost any money. No money. No one has to give a penny. The only thing we need is, you got to fix the problem. He writes, If we had permission to build the Beis HaMikdash, and it required money, right, you know, you make an appeal in a, in a shul, they're known like the Jewish people, you raise the money, right? In any shul, money, people even who don't have money, they donate. Every Jew would open up their wallet and give whatever they can. In order to have a share in the building of the temple. You don't need any money for this. Okay? Mashiach is going to say, I don't need your credit card, I don't need your cash, I don't need checks. No, all you have to do is All you have to do is don't speak Lashon Hara. Try to get along with your neighbor, and v'lechaz b'midas hashalom. That's all you need. So ask Rav Matasiyah Solomon. So the night of Pesach, when we're celebrating, leaving Mitzrayim, you would think we would do something to try to correct the mess that we're in. You know, you eat the mar to commemorate the bitterness of Mitzrayim, and you eat the matzah to commemorate how God took you out of Mitzrayim. You would think, you know, sitting here in America in the Gullahs for two thousand years, you would think there would be some ritual to sort of put into our heads, what do we need to do to make Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim worth something to us? Right now, well, I mean, what value does it have? Now we're, because we're, we're still in Gullahs. So you would think there would be something we do the night of the Seder to knock a little sense into our skulls. You know, we got to fix the problem. What? What is it? What are we doing? The matzah, the marah, the charoises. Is there anything we do the night of the Seder to knock some sense into our brains that we got to fix the problem. Okay. That that might.
He'll have to put yeah. in new teeth, but it's not going to help. It's just going to, you know, it's get you into a bigger mess. We're inviting everyone with the door closed and locked. <laughs> and we don't even have an extra seat at the table. Everyone who wants, you know, come in. And God's looking there. Wow, you know, what a great people, right? Okay. So, Rabbi Isai, very interesting. Very interesting. You know, uh, we'd, uh, Rabbi Oban gave a shir last week about, you know, the machine matzah and the hand matzah, and he brought in the opinion of the uh, Stanzarov, who said that machine matzah is chametz gomor, and he brought in the opinion of the Archaner that it's better than, than a hand matzah. So today we're going to discuss the opinion of Rav Shlomo Kluger. Okay, I don't think that, was, that we mentioned that. Rav Shlomo Kluger also was posed in the time that the uh, machines were invented, and he was posed with the question, is machine matzah acceptable for the night of Pesach? So Rav Shlomo Kluger, by the way, he was a Rav in uh, Breida, and the Beis HaLevi, when he wanted to learn the, uh, the art of Rabbanos, you know, to say Pshad in the Rambam, that's one thing. But uh, the Rabbanos is a different parsha. So he went to learn Rabbanos from the Rav Shlomo Kluger. So Rav Shlomo Kluger, one of the most prolific uh, authors of all time. If you go into uh, the libraries, you know, Svarim libraries, so you see a fat sefer, right? It's called the Chachma Shlomo, fat sefer, you know, maybe double the size. And you see Rav Shlomo Kluger, voracious, right? But then you realize... It's just Parshas Parishas. And then you see another fat safer and it says Nayach on it. And then you see another fat safer and it says Lechacha. And you have 17 Svarim and you're not even out of safer Parishas yet. Okay? Anyway, so he says like this. Regarding the question. Can you use uh, the machine that was invented in Germany? Says of Shlomo Kluger. Heaven forbid. For many, many reasons, I, in Germany, they do it. So he says, are you going to bring me a raya from what they do in Germany? He said, don't bring me a raya from the Ashkenazim. That's the first thing he says. Anyway, he says, There are three reasons that it's prohibited to use machine matzah halachically. That it might be chametz. Number one, the first reason is, that in order to fulfill the mitzvah of matzah, it has to be baked with kavana. Let's say a cheresh, a shaita, or a katan bakes your matzah. Good. It's no good. Why? They don't have das. So says, what if there's a gadol standing over the katan and sort of supplying the das to the katan and baking the matzah? Still no good. Why? Because the one baking the matzah has to have Kavana to bake the matzah l'shem mitzvah. So says Rosh Hashanah and what kind of das does a machine have? You're telling me the machine has more das than the katan? Machine doesn't have human intellect. And therefore he holds one does not fulfill the mitzvah of matzah with machine matzah. He says three reasons. Echa, number one, matzah, in order to fulfill the obligation, doesn't help with the machine. Since we hold that even if a Kheroshad Vikatan bakes the mat so you're not Yoitse, why not? They don't have Das. And it doesn't even help if there's a Gadol standing over them. This machine, the actions of the machine are no better than the actions of a Katan. 
doesn't matter if you have Albert Einstein sitting over in the machine and he's thinking deep kavanas of, you know, you could have, you know, the biggest Rebbe in the world being Mechavein, all the Yichudim, pressing the buttons on the machine. It doesn't help. The machine is no better than a kata. Okay. And? What? The oven is the same thing. No, but here the machine, it's being baked, it's being kneaded, it's being, uh, the ingredients are being mixed together. The making of the actual matzah is being done by the machine. But that's actual is baking. The definition of baking is not, is putting it into the fire. So here the machine is, is conveying it on the conveyor belt into the fire. And then he adds the reason we're going to focus on. And that is, you know why you can't make machine matzah? You can't use machine matzah. Because machine matzah is square. And matzah is supposed to be round. So therefore, so you'll say, so get a machine to make round matzah. The machine can't make round matzah. It has too many crumbs. So therefore, since minhag be Yisrael is to have round matzah, we don't want to change the minhag. And therefore, you can't use machine matzah. No, he says, gam kominog Yisrael toira meyoyla. The, the custom of the Jewish people from, from forever, from way back, have a matzah agulim, or round matzah v'loy merubav. I mean, to use a square matzah, you're like, uh, you're almost a guy to use square matzah. You know, Jewish people use round matzah. V'yatanasu ha matzah merubavim. And now the machines make square matzah. Why not? Why can't they make round matzah? Too many crumbs. You know where you're going to have it. The square matzah, it's easier for it to cut. But they couldn't get, a, get it down to make the, the round matzah. We are not authorized to make any changes in Jewish custom. Therefore, let us continue in the path of our forefathers. We're not going to veer not to the right, not to the left. In the zchus of following Minog Yisrael of making round matzah, we will be zolcha for the Mashiach to come. That's why you're now to eat machine matzah? Because the machine can't make round matzah? I mean, who cares what shape the matzah is? It matters what shape the matzah is. There's a specific reason it has to be uh, circular and not square. I mean, what kind of svar is that? Is there a reason it has to be circular? If there's no reason, I mean, uh, you can't bake matzah in an oven anymore. Why? Because because they used to bake matzah in Mitzrayim. Maybe we should move to Mitzrayim also and make the matzah in Mitzrayim. We should all go to Egypt for uh, Pesach. People I know are mocked to go to all kinds of places. But, you know, we should go to Egypt and we should stand in the, uh, we should go to the pyramids. And, um, I mean, just because they made round matzah, what kind of, uh, if there's no halachic reason to make round matzah, who cares if it's round, it's circular, it's square, it's rectangular? I mean, who, who really cares? But people depend on the money from kneading, they were saying also. That was the reason. Yeah. So very interesting. Was the third reason? What was the third? We only. Oh no, we, we only gave one of the halachic reasons. There are another two reasons, halachic so reasons. One? No, this is just the conclusion. After he gave three halachic reasons, we're not going to get into the other two halachic reasons. We did the first one because of das, and then he concluded with the uh, minhag reason, with the minhag reason. Second. Yeah. So if three people are eating and two eat mish- eat uh, matzah, and one eats uh, plain matzah. Could they make a zuman? Yeah. Look on TorahAnytime.com. Rabbi Obam has a share on that. It depends. 
Well, the conclusion was, <laughs> it depends. If I don't eat from you because I hold what you're eating as chametz, you can't make yeah. a zimun. But, but if it's just both. a chumrah, if it's just a strict practice, then we can make a zimun. Would yeah. be against making square matzahs by hand? Yeah. Yep, you got it. Okay. So what we want to know, Rabbi Say, is there anything we do the night of the Seder that sort of jogs our mind and makes us think, you know, there's something we need to correct to get out of this gullus. Okay. So says Rabbi Matasio Solomon that he found in the writings of the Benishchai that indeed there is something we do the night of the Seder that sort, sort puts in perspective what got us into the mess and how we're going to get out of it. And that is, we know, the night of the Seder, we dip two times, right? Ein mol karpas in Zaltzvalsa, right? The Ein mol moror in Charoises, remember? Right? They trained you in Yiddish, the Manishtana. We dip the karpas in salt water, we dip moror in Charoises. What is the union of dipping two times the night of the Seder? Everything else we, dip, everything else we do the night of the Seder four times. Four cups, four Lashayna Shal everything is four. Four questions... Why do we dip two times? Says the Benishchai. What got us into Gullus? Right? If I were to ask you, how did Klai Yisrael end up in the land of Egypt? We sold Yosef. We sold Yosef, right? The brothers couldn't get along. They hated each other. They wanted to kill Yosef. Ultimately, what? They uh, shechted a, a gedi. They shechted um, a goat. They dipped the kasainas and tadam. The dipping of his coat in dam was the cause of us going into Golas. What got us out of Golas? They took the Ezoiv grass, the hyssop grass, and they took the Agudas Ezoiv, and they dipped it into the blood, and they put it on the doorpost. One dipping put us into the Golas, one dipping got us out of the Golas, says the Benishchai. The first dipping got us into the Golas. Why? Because it was a dipping of sinas chinam. It was a dipping of hatred. It was a dipping of being disparate from your brother. But then to rectify that, what did they take? They took the Agudas Ezev. What does the word Aguda mean? The collection, the gathering, the coming together. That Kla Yisrael understood in Mitzrayim that in order to rectify the sin of the sale of Yosef, they needed to act bi Aguda Achas. So you have one dipping, that's how we got in. One dipping, that's how we got out. The, the, and therefore we commemorate these two dippings the night of the Pesach to make us realize, why did we go in? Why did we go out? Look at number six. What, 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 does, what does the salt water have to do with the blood? That's, that's okay, it's a commemoration. Look what he says in number six. Ha'tshuvah zehu ki yesh v'yesh b'seder mitzvahs halayla. There is, there are many, there are, Significant activities that we do the night of the Seder. That comes to arouse us to rectify Sinaschinam. This is hidden. This is uh, symbolized by the two dippings we do the night of the Seder. But Matthew Solomon writes, he saw in the writings of the Ben and why do we dip two times? Like it says, And what was the geula? So in other words, if we were to ask, why did we go into Galos? Sinas chinam, as symbolized by dipping number one, why did we do? Why did we leave the Galos? 
we were able to rectify that. We came together by Aguda, symbolized by dipping number two. Okay. I mean, he had a very strong question. He wanted to know if the night of Pesach, we're commemorating Yitzhak Mitzrayim, and we're still in the Gullahs, why don't we do anything? So what's the answer? The two dippings? That's it? I mean, nobody ever heard. First, what if you're an Ashkenazi and yet you never learned the Svarim of the Benishchai? Then you're going to go through the whole Seder. You're not going to know one thing we do the night of Pesach that has anything to do with why we went down. So Rabbi Yisai, as we'll see, there's a lot more symbolism. And as we'll see, perhaps the main theme of the night of the Seder is focusing on why we ended up in Mitzrayim. If I were to ask you, what is the first ritual we do the night of the Seder? Kiddush. Okay, Kiddush we do every Yom Tif, every Shabbos. Karpas. Why do we do Karpas, right? You ask your kids, they're going to come home with the big... We're washing, really, washing for the Karpas. For the Karpas. We're not making a brachas. We're not making brachas. going to ask. Well, really, Rabbi said also, important halacha. Anytime you dip something in a liquid, you have to wash your hands. You want to dip a donut in milk? There's a chiv netil hasidayim. Right? Anytime you dip a food in one of the Zion mashkim. No. 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 Mm-mm. Any food. No. It's not. Nope. No. Any oichel. Any food that you dip in a liquid. Let's say you want to dip a donut in milk. The place can even say, why don't you have to wash your hands when you eat cereal? You're dipping uh, Cheerios in milk. The answer is because you're eating with a utensil. So I once asked the place like that, Shaila. <laughs> no, ketchup is not a liquid. Fruit juice is not a liquid. It comes from a tomato. So you shouldn't. You should dip with your hand. Otherwise, why are you washing your hand? Okay, there's more to talk about this, but that's in general a halacha, that when you dip uh, something in, uh, you know, people, that, you, you dip your donut in coffee, go wash in Tilsidayim. Don't make a bracha, but you have to wash in Tilsidayim. Fine. Dipping apples into honey as well? Honey is um, honey is one of the liquids. You washed your hands, yeah. You washed your hands for bread. Exactly. You washed your hands. I don't know. Anyway, Rabbi Sai, why do we eat karpas? What's karpas? You'll go, you'll, you'll ask your kids, and they'll come with their big notebooks with all the, you know, the, the, the glue stick stuff and all the fancy decorations, and they'll say, what's Pshan in Karpas? Samach Perach. 600,000 people worked in hard labor. Rabbi Sai, you'll hear reasons for Karpas from today till tomorrow. You want to hear the reason for Karpas? According to the Rishonim, look at Rabbeinu Manoyach. It's a commentary on the Rambam. Says Rabbeinu Manoyach, you know what Karpas is? Va'anu noyagin bekarpas zecher l'ksoynes ha'pasim. It's a remembrance for the ksoynes pasim. Sha'asa Yaakov Avinu li'yosef asher b'sibasa nesgalgel ha'dover v'yardu avaysenu l'mitzrayim. The very first thing we do the night of the Seder, karpas. Karpas reminds us of ksoynes pasim. It sort of elicits in our mind the thought, how did we end up in Mitzrayim? Oh, it's because of that Ksoynes Pasim that got us jealous. That's the very first thing we did the night of the Seder. So you'll ask, what, is, what does Karpas have to do with Ksoynes Pasim? So you know, Pas, Pasim, Rabbeinu Manoich doesn't say. But he says that's the reason for Karpas. So I found in the Ben Ishchai, Ben Ishchai writes, Kar is the Lashon Mecher, 
Tav is the last two letters of sale. Pas are the first two letters of Pasim. Mecher, the Mechir as Yosef, was because of Pas, Pasim. So, how, about, how about rock, soft? You could say that chat also. Easy, he was soft. At first he was soft, then it got harder. So is, is okay, right now we're focusing on this pshat, Rabbeinu Manoyach, that he's saying that the reason for karpas is what? Ksainas pasim. It's a remez. Kar, look what he writes in number eight. The Tibur Rishon Zeh, the Benishchai writes this first dipping, Shu karpas b'chaimetz, in vinegar, Hu zechel esibas kshi hashibar. Why was the shibat so difficult? Shahayi b'shvil mechiras yosef ha-tzadik. V'shehet bilu ksainas pasim shaloi b'dam. O'mecharu. That is alluded to in the word karpas. Vahainu, oisiyos kar are the last letters of mecher, and the oisiyos of pas are the first letters of pasim. Rabbi Sai, very interesting. Pasim, kar are the last letters of mecher, pas are the first letters of pas. Okay. There's a famous tshuva of the marshal in Simon Peiches that after you eat, you take out the treasure. What's the treasure? The afikoymen. As it's wrapped up in its uh, cover, you sling it behind you. You ever see some people do this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sling yeah. it behind you. Um, right? And you walk in your house, and you say, This is how our forefathers walked with their packages slung over their shoulder. Oh, what in the world are you doing? You're a grown man. You're walking around with the things slung over your shoulder? Sure, what it's like. What are you doing? Believe it's right. So why don't you build pyramids also? Then I didn't say that. Why don't you uh, put your kids and, you know, throw them? Uh, why don't you, you know, rub yourself a dam and bring frogs onto the table? And lice, bring in a lion for our wife. Or take a step. You know? Bring grasshoppers, spread them all over the table. Get lice, open up, you know, get a can of lice. And you know, pour it on everybody's head. No, the one thing that's convenient for us, right? That we don't like. That that nobody took. Maybe have a guy come in, turn off the lights. Chayshach, right? But it's not. What? It's not the machas we're commemorating. We're commemorating. Or maybe flood your house and then have you know have kriyas yamsof. No, we'll take the convenient one. Take the thing over your shoulder. That's that's the. Why don't you take a stick? No. Of all the things we do, the night of the Seder, what do we do? Take a stick, uh, the money belt, a lamb, get a lamb, tie it to your... To your po- no, those things are too expensive. This, we take an easy thing. Yeah. So the Rav Shleim again, in his Haggadah, Yeria Shleim, he says like this, an amazing thing. The Achroinim bring in the name of the Marshal. Take out the afikoimen as it's wrapped up. Sling it behind you. Walk for Amos in the house and say, Says of Shlomo What's the reason for this? We have to, you know, mimic every little movement they made in Mitzrayim. No, the last three hours of staying over the Haggadah, that's not enough. Now you have to sling the thing over your back. Well, we have to start adding new practices. The Gemara Pesachim tells us about the Karban Pesach. Listen to this. Everyone would take the Karban Pesach, 
wrap the meat in the skin of the Pesach, sling it over their shoulder. Look at number 11, the Gemara Everyone would put the Karim Pesach in its skin, sling it behind them. Amaravilish, Tayos. Not Thayos, Tayos. Ravilish said, Tayos. What does that mean? Good question. What does that mean? Says Rashi. How did they used to sling it over their shoulders, the carbon Pesach? Derech, Soicharim, Yishma'elim, who's that? Like Arab merchants. Oh, even better. You know how they used to sling the, sh- the Karim Pesach over their shoulders? Like Arab merchants. Not like Jewish merchants. Not like Indian merchants. Not like American merchants. Arab merchants. I mean, what in the world? Who, what are we bringing up? What are we drumming up the Arabs for in the Karim Pesach? All of a sudden when it comes to Karim Pesach, oh, by the way, you want to know how to sling it over your shoulder? Go to the, you know, the, the, the Muslim shuk. And look how they sling over their wares. And that's how you should sling over the Karim Pesach. Well, what are we bringing them in for? What are we bringing the Yishma'elim? All of a sudden, you know, you want to know how to keep halacha? Look at the Yishma'elim. That's what we do with the towel. Says, says Rav Shlomo An amazing thing. Look at number 13. Amar Rav Eilish. Look on the second line. Tayos. Says Rashi. Says Rav Shlomo My whole life. This was astonishing to me. What's Rav Elish coming to teach you? Why are Chazal putting in Shas? You know how to sling the Karim Pesach? Like a bunch of Arabs. Well, the whole b'risa doesn't make sense. Do we really care how they used to carry the Karim Pesach to their house? What the, the b'risa is telling me some ancient cultural... Uh, practice of the ancient Hebrews. By the way, the ancient Hebrews used to carry the Passover offering to their home like ancient Arab merchants. Shkayach. You know, well, what am I going to do with that? Who cares? Says Rav Shama this is a great riddle and mystery, but the Chachamim are encoding in this vague and, uh, and cryptic statement, the Chachamim are enco- encapsulating a great secret. And you know what the secret is? I'm going to tell you the secret. You ready? The secret is like this. If you want to know, why did God make us suffer in Egypt? There are many reasons. Avram Avinu said, Avram Zavera, and already from before, from the time of Adam Arishan. But if we were to ask, what is the most direct, obvious reason why we had to go down to Mitzrayim? Vedas Many commentaries will tell you it's because of the sin of selling Yosef. And we know that the carbon Pesach is a remiss to the Geula. And the Marar is a reference to the Shibud. Why don't then we make a remez to why we went down in the first place? In other words, like this. Why do we eat matzah to commemorate the leaving? Why do we eat Marar to commemorate the Shibud? Why don't we do something to commemorate how we ended up in Mitzrayim? The answer is we do. You know what we do? We take the carbon Pesach, 
we sling it over our backs like Arab merchants, and we think, Arab merchants, what in the world are we doing? Why would we want to emulate the Arabs? And then we say, you know why we want to emulate the Arabs? Because who was Yosef sold to? Arab merchants. And how were they holding their wares when we sold Yosef down to them? Over their shoulders. And we say, hey, that's how we ended up in this mess. That's the reason why they carry the Karim Pesach over their shoulders. He says like this. One person carried the whole thing? Kind of heavy. But one person did it. Yeah, he worked out before. Everybody took their portion and carried over their shoulder. Yeah, one of them. Not sure. Um, yeah, he says... Because by Mechiras Yosef it says they lifted up their eyes and they saw Yishmaelim coming. And then it says Midyanim Seicherim came. And then they say, it says that they sold Yosef to Yishmaelim. Ah, so now it seems that everyone did it. Everybody, okay. Everyone, right? Well, look, not everybody brought their own carbon pass. No, but every everyone they wanted to buy it up. Yeah, it says kolachaviyachad. Correct. It says kolachaviyachad. So very interesting. So Abayisai, we're seeing that many of the things we do the night of the seder are not only to commemorate the freedom, not only to commemorate the bondage, to commemorate how we ended up in Mitzrayim. The two dippings, the dipping of the Xenas pasim, the dipping of the agudas ezim, the karpas which according to Rabbeinu Manoyach comes from Pasim. And the whole minog of slinging the Afikaimen over the shoulder like Yishmaelim, it comes to commemorate Mechir Yosef. Rabbi Yisai, when we talk about the Aver of Mechir Yosef and what Klai Yisrael had to suffer because of Mechir Yosef, we know that because of the Chet Ha'egal, that's a Avera that Klai Yisrael suffers from until when? Today. Till the end of time. Right? Hashem says, Every Avera that we do, when God punishes us for it, it has mixed into it a little bit of Chet Ho'egam. But likewise, we find the same concept from Mechiras Yosef. That whenever Hashem punishes Kal Yisrael, mixed into the punishment, is a punishment for Mechiras Yosef. So what does that mean? Does that mean every time Hashem punishes, there's a little sprinkling of Egal, a little sprinkling of Mechiras Yosef? Says the Meshachachma, it depends, there are two types of Averas. There's Bein Adam Lamakayim, Bein Adam Lachaveray. Whenever Klal Yisrael sins Bein Adam Lamakayim, Hashem punishes for the Chedo Egal. Whenever Klal Yisrael sins Bein Adam Lachaveray, Hashem punishes for Mechiras Yosef. How do we know this? Says the Meshachachma in the Yom Kippur Davening. We say like this, Kiata Salchan Yisrael, right? You are the Salchan Yisrael. Umachalan Shifte Yishurun. Hashem is the Salchan Yisrael, and He's the Machalan for the Shifte Yishurun. When did God say the words Salicha? Salachtikvarecha. By which Avera? Chega Egel. We Yisrael. What did Klal Yisrael say about the Chedo Egel? Ele Elohecha Yisrael. So God was, is the Salchan Salicha Li Yisrael for the Chedo Egel. When Klal Yisrael said Ele Elohecha Yisrael. Umachalan. And when is he Meichel? Leshivte Yeshurun for the Shvatim. What Avera did the Shvatim do? Mechir Yosef. Says the Meshachachma, there are two Averois that haunt us until the end of time. Chedo Egel, Mechir Yosef. All Averas ben Adam Lamakum have their root in that 
original sin of the ego, all Averos, they know them, the Chaveroi, have their root in the Mechiras Yosef. So if the Beis Hamikdash was destroyed because of sin Aschinam, which sin is at the root of those sins that destroyed the Beis Hamikdash? Mechiras Yosef. The, the brothers passed him that he was high in Misa, Yosef. Yeah. I understand what the problem was. And it's true they had a hidden Nikias. But they passed him according to the Halakha. They had to be killed. So they did a chesed for him. They sold him instead of killing him. So I never understood this. Good question. Okay. Oh, we're going to talk about that. Okay, very good. We'll talk about that. Rabbi, so we're not going to have time to examine the, uh, the idea that the Asara uh, Haruge Malchus are relevant to the brothers who sold Yosef, right? Rabbeinu Mechaye brings an amazing idea, and the Mechubalim discussed the concept that the ten brothers who sold Yosef down to Mitzrayim had to come back to this world as the Hasara Haruge Malchus, and eventually they had their tikkun in the murdering of the Hasara Haruge Malchus. We're not going to get into that right now. But what we'd like to discuss is an amazing thing that Mr. Frank is bringing up, and that is, that Rabbi Hanan Vasserman says something, I saw it again this morning, you know, your heart skips a beat. And that is that throughout history, Klaiswa has been accused of blood libels, of uh, killing children for matzos, right. for Dalit Kaisais, and obviously there is no semblance of truth to that. But Rabbi Hanan Vasserman says, how could it be that Hashem would allow such a thing to happen? Hashem is going to allow Klaiso to be accused of something that has no basis in reality? I mean, usually, if we're accused of something, there is some kernel of truth to it. Usually we say that every lie has some element of truth, right? Sheker in raglayim. You know, it's, it has to stand on something. And yet, with the blood libels, completely baseless, why would God allow that to happen to us? Look at Rabbi Khan Masim, it says, it's frightening. He says in number 18, in the Kavitz Namarim, Hine yodua. There are two things we always suffer from. Number one, we're going to examine number one. Blood libels. It's so strange. We have a principle. A fabrication, a lie that doesn't have a kernel of truth has no, cannot stand, cannot last. This lie, this accusation of the blood libels. A Jew, right? What's the halal? If a Jew would open up a, an egg and there'd be a little tiny speck of blood, they would throw out the whole egg, even though, why should I throw out the egg? There's, there's no shash. The egg wasn't fertilized. We stay so far away from blood and they're going to accuse us of the halilas dam? This is one of the mysteries of divine providence. Why would God allow us to be accused of blood libel? doesn't make any sense. Says Rabbi Hanan, it is clear, right? and throughout the millennia, how many Jews were murdered because of blood libel? Rabbi Hanan said, I'll tell you exactly why. It must be measure for measure, right? In Latin, how do you say it? Quid pro quo. Right? Measure for measure. It must be for some sin. And if not for the fact that I'm not worthy to say such a thing, you know what I would say? 
כי הוא מכוון נגד האבן של ויצבלו הקסוינס בדם. We took Yosef's cloak, we dipped it into blood, and we told Yaakov, this is the blood of Yosef. And Hashem, Mishamayim, looks down on that and says, what? You're making this false claim that this is the blood of your brother while it's the blood of something else? Says Rabbi Hanan, throughout the millennia, all of the Einshim of the blood libels was Mida Kenek and Mida because we dipped Yosef's tunic in blood and we said, Chayara Achalasu, says Rabbi Hanan, the Imshagisi. If I'm mistaken in what I'm saying, Hashem Yechaper Badi, God should forgive me for what I just said. That's a frightening thought. Mm. That's a frightening thought. <coughs> Very frightening thought. In other words, this idea that we're saying that the Mechiras Yosef is for all times, for all generations, it's never forgiven. Look at the severe consequences that Rabbi Hanan puts in front of us. So it comes along Rabbi Matasyos Solomon and he says, we're not finished over here. We're not finished over here. Why? Because think about the following idea. If the blood libels are because of the sin of Mechiras Yosef, then why are they always accusing us Pesach time? Why are the blood libels always associated with Matzah, Marar? It's not like we uh, did this to Yosef on Pesach. So says Rav Matasyo, a frightening thought. Every Pesach, as we're talking about Yitzhak Mitzrayim, and the Yibbana Shalom looks down from Shemayim and he says, Guys! Are you going to do something to fix the problem? Or are you going to be every single year sitting in Queens saying, Lashana Ababi Yushalayim? And every year, Mishamayim, God looks down and He says, So what are you doing about it? Are you correcting the sinas chinam? Every Pesach, the accusation lands on us again. What are you going to do about Mechiras Yosef? Frightening thought. Frightening thought. So what we're seeing is that uh, the concept of Mechiras Yosef is not ignored the night of the Seder. It's a theme very much intertwined with Lel Seder. And according to uh, Ramatisho Salomon's addition to Rabbi Hanan, it's a very frightening concept. By the way, aside from the fact that we dip the karpas, and we dip uh, two times, and we sling the thing behind our shoulders, we know we eat an egg on, uh, on the Pesach, right? There's a beya on the Pesach Seder. Why? Avelos. Avelos? Avelos for what? Tishabov, it's Pesach. Enjoy. You can eat the egg. I want to know why you're eating the egg. Ah, so what does the Ramah say? The Ramah says like this. It's Avelos. What's the Avelos? Because we have a tradition at Bash. The first night of Pesach is the same night of the year as? Tishabov. If you want to know, when is Tisha B'Av this year? Monday night. Monday night. Every single year. The first night of Pesach is the same night as Tisha B'Av. In other words, what does that mean to us? That the night of Pesach, we need to think to ourselves, we're still in the mess. We're still in the mess. If I were to ask you, how many years were we in Mitzrayim? Okay? So there are all kinds of cheshbonites. We were actually physically in the land of Egypt. 210. 210. 210. 210. Yeah. What's, why 210? What's the, what's the significance of 210 years? 
What's the significance of 210 years? So you say, Yaakov Ruveni tells us that Yaakov Avinu had a dilemma. What was the dilemma of Yaakov Avinu? Yaakov, right, the Pasuk says that when he sent Yosef down to check on the brothers who were, who were grazing their sheep, Yaakov sort of had some kind of intuition that things were headed down to Mitzrayim. And he had a dilemma. Were they going to be there 260 years or 210 years? What's, uh, what's 260, what's 210? Well, you know, God's name is what? yud Vavke. What's the numerical value of yud Vavke? 26. How many Shvatim sold Yosef? 10. So to rectify, to rectify the sin of the sale of Yosef, 10 times 26, 260. So Yaakov had a dilemma. Maybe they need to rectify the ten brothers who caused a, a diminution of the name of God. That's 260. Or maybe, maybe the name of God that was affected was not yud Vavke, but rather aleph Hey, yud Hey, Ekiah. Like how Hashem introduced Himself to Moshe Rabbeinu. Ekiah, Asher Ekiah. What's ten times, what's Ekiah? aleph Hey, and then yud Hey. 21. 10 times 21 is? 210. 210. So Yaakov Avinu has, has had this great dilemma. Amek is 210. Hevroin is 260. He didn't know. Are they going to be there 210 years, says Yaakov Avinu? Are they going to be there Hevroin, 260 years? In total, Rabbi Isai, how long were they in Mitzrayim? 430 plus the 40 years in the Midbar. How much is that? 470, 210 plus 260, both. They were literally in Mitzrayim 210. But if you want to add up from the very beginning of the birth of Yitzhak until they made it back into Eretz Yisrael, 470 years. Kaminyan, Kor HaBarzel. Kor HaBarzel, the iron furnace, that Mitzrayim in the Navi is called the iron furnace, is Gematria 470. So they were literally in the land 210. They were in the other places 260. A total of, total of 470. An amazing thing. Rabbi, so listen to this. Why we're in Mitzrayim 210 years? Because the 10 brothers sold Yosef. Exactly what we're saying. The whole purpose of being in Mitzrayim was to rectify the sale of Yosef 10 times to 21. So when Moshe Rabbeinu sees the burning bush, what does the Pasuk say? Bayar Hashem ki? Sar Lirois. What's Sar? Samach Reish. How much is that, sir? 260. 260. Moshe says, God, what are you taking the Jews out of Mitzrayim? We still have 50 years left. We still have 50 years left. Sir, Moshe was looking at sir. He was looking that the Jews need to be there 260. Because why? Because he thought the 10 brothers were Pagame, the Yud Kevavke, 10 times 26. To which God says, no, you got the wrong name. Ekiah Asher Ekiah. It's 10 times 20, 21. Aye, what are you going to do about the missing? How many? 50? Oh, you will serve 50 days. The 50 days from until Matan Torah, each day made up for an extra year that the 210 was under 260. Beautiful. But, okay, you put in the safer. But, 
Rabbi so what we're learning is that if you want to calculate the number of years that Klai Yisrael in Mitzrayim, it's in direct correlation with the effect that the brothers, the, by selling Yosef Hatzad. And we find the Tanim Zbeil Yo tells us. Okay, we're almost done. Number 23. That when Klai Yisrael were about to leave Mitzrayim, Kishal Yisrael in Mitzrayim, Neskabtsu, Kulam, V'yashu Yacha. They gathered together. They sat together. They made the following treaty. They got together in one group. And they made a treaty that they would from now on act with chesed to one another. So imagine this. As they're about to leave, they make a pact. They sign a treaty. What's the treaty? Is the treaty they're not going to use nuclear arms against you know, their neighbors? No. They made a bris. They were kairis bris. They're going to act the gemilas chesed one to another. What does it got to do with anything? They had nothing better to do as they were leaving. No, because they understood in order to leave Mitzrayim, they need to rectify the sin of Mechiras Yosef. So Rabbi Yisai, coming back to the round matzah. Coming back to the round matzah. Coming around. Okay. The, um, the Sefer, Shasu Tshuvas Mahari Asad, also points out the importance of round matzah. Why? Because he says, the Pasuk says, Vayoifu es habatzeik ugois matzais. Ugois matzais. Interesting Russian. Ugois matzais. What does the word uga mean? Uga is a cake. By Chayni HaMagel it says, when the rain wasn't falling, Ug Uga. Well, he made a cake, he baked a cake. Ug Uga says Rashi, Uga is Kamei Agula. Uga is, kamei, is like the word Agula, round. Round. So says Maria Sad, the Torah could leave out the word Uga. It could say, Vayoifu es habatzik asheratim b'mitzrayim matzois. Who asked the Torah to write, Uga is matzois? Why is the Torah wants to tell me the shape? Why is the Torah telling me the shape? Says the Maria Asad, Shalsuchu's Maria Asad, by the way, the Maria Asad, he's a tremendous gadol. He used to uh, cry every night, Tikkun Chatzais. And he used to save his tears in a cup. And when Talmidim uh, would come to him, who were afraid of being drafted by the army, he would give them from his tears, they would drink his tears, and that was uh, protected them from being drafted in the, in the army. Anyway, so he says, why is the Torah telling me that the matzah was round? To teach, that was the correct surah that matzah sh- should be. The Torah is not telling you extraneous detail. The Torah is telling you, this is how it should be made. Ah. And then he explains why. Yeah, like uh, the Rashi says in Masech Tainis, Aguga means agula, a circle. He says, let me tell you, what's the reason the matzah should be round? He gives a few suggestions. First he says, matzah is called lechem, oini, poverty. And Chazal tells us about poverty, it's gagal hachoyzer ba'olam. You know, the life cycle has it that, you know, today you have money, tomorrow you don't. The guy who didn't have money yesterday, today he has money. It's a money, right? It's, come, it's uh, here today, gone tomorrow. It's a circle, it's like the life cycle. Or, he says, the same way we eat the round egg, the night of Pesach, as Avelos, the matzah is supposed to be round, also as a simon of Avelos. Okay? But, very interesting, there's a Sefer, Rava de Ravin, from uh, the Kleisenberg Rebbe. Remember, Rabbi Obam mentioned that uh, the uh, ancestor of the Kleisenberg Rebbe, the Tzanzarov, 
held that matzah was matzah, machine matzah was chametz. So his descendant, you know, keeps up the faith, and he also explains the necessity of round matzah. Okay, let's listen to his suggestion. And that should, you know, come full circle. Get it? Okay, so, so, so he says like this, he says, if we were to ask, if we were to ask Rabbi Isai, why did we end up in Mitzrayim? He says a very interesting thing about the, a circle. And that is, a circle is the one shape that you could take two of them and they can't be put together. They're incompatible. They don't fit. They don't match. They protrude on the edges. They are inverted on the top. They cannot be put together. The square, they fit, they match, they're symmetrical. Says the Kleisenberger Rebbe, interesting thought. The reason why Minog Yisrael is specifically to have the round matzah is when you take your matzahs and you realize that they don't stim, they don't go together, you realize why we ended up in the mess in the first place. It's because of Sinas Chinam. It's because we sold Yosef down to Mitzrayim. Look what happens as a result of the Pirat Halavavais. And he brings down, that's why uh, the Minog Sfarad, the Sefaradim, Tamide Baal Shem Tov, they have a custom of eating matzah until Shavuos. Yeah. That's Minog Sfarad. Why? He said a very interesting thing. You know, the, uh, why did the students of Rabbi Akiva die during the Yimei Sfira? You know, think about it. Oh, Sinas Chinam. Big deal that they had such a severe penalty because of Sinas Chinam, that they all passed away. Why specifically at that time of the year? Says the Kleisenberger Rebbe, interesting thought, that had it been at a different time, perhaps they would not have been so accountable for what they did. But after Pesach, at a time where the whole Yom Tif is to make us think a little bit why we ended up in Mitzrayim, and what brought us down there, because what we did to our brothers, and we do all the rituals, we dip, and we dip again to understand we got in the mess because of the dipping of Sinah. We got out of the mess because of the dipping of Ava. We dip the Karpas. And we see that Pesach is the same night as Tisha B'av, To understand that the same reason we went down to Mitzrayim, that is why the Beis is no longer there. And at this time of the year, the Tamir Rabbi Akiva, this is what they did? That's why the penalty was so severe during that time. He explains that's the reason for round matzah. So Rabbi Isai, an interesting thought, whatever your custom is, whether you eat round matzah, square matzah, machine matzah, hand matzah, the words that uh, we read in the beginning of the shir, of the Chavetz Chaim, Ad until how long do we need to be in this galas, these are very haunting words. And as we're doing the dipping, the night of Pesach, we should think a little bit of what we need to do in Merz Hashem, that this Pesach, when we say L'Shana Habab Yushalayim, it should be Makuyam, it should be Zoycha, to the Askel Tzadik, and Amen. Amen.